We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. How is everyone this morning? We're feeling, well, there's one thing about my son is he's not ashamed to talk. You know, I don't know where he gets that from. But anyways, I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, You know, as I prepared this message this week, it's a very passionate message to me. It means a lot to me. I've learned a lot through the book of Jonah. And this morning I want to look at the restoration of Nineveh. There are probably a couple of different ways you could approach chapter 3. Obviously, Sue was talking about um, how how Jonah went to Nineveh and and preached the word of God, that God spoke to them. And and boy, we have a responsibility to do that in our day. But I went from a different direction this morning. And so as we get into this study, I hope you get as much out of it as I did, uh, encouraged and feel... um, a need for our country. And so before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you for this church, its people, and their desire to be here this morning. God, as we look at your word, its truths, help us, God, to be a people that is willing to follow those truths. God, our nation is under a spiritual attack. And we know, God, that you want us to serve you and to be about your business. And I pray that you raise each one of us up to stand firm on, on God eternal matters. In the time of the presidential election, and God, I ask that you be with our president. I know many don't agree with him, but we are called to pray for him, God, and we pray for him this morning. And we also pray for our future president, God, that you will have your will done in that and in our nation as well. Be with these young people in our church. God, they're going through a lot of changes, and I pray you give them a multitude of grace and mercy and give them the desire to follow you. And I pray for their parents as well, God, that you comfort them, encourage them, strengthen them, and that you continue to put on your armor onto those parents as they really try to guide and direct their children in the home and bring them up in the ways of the Lord. I pray for a renewed spirit for them. God, this morning I pray you fill me, empower me, use me, that your word might be spoken in truth, and that you might be glorified and honored. And I ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at chapter 3 of Jonah. And Jonah we've spoken about now for four weeks, and this week we'll make it the fifth week. Um, Like I, I hope you have, have learned as much as I have through this prophet, this missionary, this pastor, preacher. Um, We've seen a lot of areas that we could all improve in. In our walks with the Lord, in our relationship with Him as well. And this week we're going to look at chapter 3. 
But before we go there, I want to give a recap quick of what we've been looking at in the book of Jonah. What we've talked about, and I hope that um, you have learned different things um, that will help you in your walk with the Lord. And I hope that continues right into our text this morning. Remember our outline on Jonah. We've looked at it now for five weeks. And I want to make sure that uh, next time someone that you know is going through an issue, going through a problem, a struggle um, that is in the book of Jonah, that you'll be able to take these people, bring them to this book, and to put them right where they need to be. Give them the answers they need through Jonah. So we've looked at it. Number one, we see Jonah on the land disobeying God in chapter 1. And also in chapter 1, we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And then in chapter 2, we see Jonah under the sea pleading with the Lord or praying to God. And fourthly, we see in chapter 3 and 4, where we'll begin today, we see Jonah on the land obeying God. Now the contrast that we see here in this outline, I want you to remember. Because I tell you, the reality is as I begin to evaluate my life and I begin to see where I'm at spiritually, I keep going back to these things. We see there in chapter 1, disobeying equals fighting. And so disobeying gives way to fighting with God. And so if you're fighting this morning, you need to reevaluate if you're really being disobedient to God. And then we see pleading and how it gives way to obeying. And so if you want to begin to obey God, you need to begin to plead with God and repent, turn back to God, and keep that going. We've learned that we can't run from God or His calling in our lives as much as we may try. We've learned that, that praying to some God that we've created in our own minds and our own ability will not help us in times of need. We've learned that we must develop this healthy fear of God, this healthy reliability on God, and as well, a healthy worship to keep us or to help us out of problems in our lives. We've learned we must continue to pray. We must have a steady prayer life. Praying in times of need, praying with obedient minds, and also praying with anticipation that God is going to do something. Last week we looked at the prayer of Jonah. We saw a different prayer than kind of what you would expect to see. I don't know about you, but as I read Jonah, I expected to see a prayer of repentance. But what we see is a prayer of thanksgiving. Jonah had some kind of high expectation of God. He had a confidence within the belly of that great fish. And when Jonah got as low as low could get, God began to get through to him. This week we see Jonah is now willing to obey the Lord's words. And so that brings us to our text this morning. If you will, turn with me to Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Jonah 3, 1 to 10. For those that don't have their Bibles this morning, we have made slides for you. I do encourage you though to bring your Bible. We have a gift from God that we have a Bible in our own language. And so I would encourage you to bring that and follow along through the Word. And so let's read. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. Proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. 
So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great city, at three days' walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city, one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days in Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh again believed in God, and they called for a fast, and to put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth and set on ashes. He issued a proclamation and it said, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw His burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they had turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had decreed He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. There are a lot of things in this text. But three things that I want you to see, I want you to see from the text this morning, I want you to observe with me. Number one, we see God speaking to Jonah. Second, we see God speaking to Nineveh. And thirdly, we see God responding to Nineveh's ways. As we read throughout the book of Jonah, we see God and His sovereignty so clearly. God is in complete control of what's going on in the life of this prophet. He's able to make things do what He wants them to do. In chapter 1, we see a great storm God created. Then He stops the storm on a dime, and then He makes this great fish, if you remember, swallow up Jonah just before he drowns. In chapter 2, we see God making this great fish spit Jonah out. Not just spitting him out anywhere, He spits him out on the dry land. And there's not any doubt that God is, is working something out through the life of this prophet Jonah. Now in our first point, we see God speaking to Jonah. If you remember, this is nothing new. We see God speaking to Jonah before, and we see God speaking to His people throughout all of the Bible. And just like here in our first passage on Jonah, we saw that God was speaking and is still speaking today through His Word. That could be through the reading of His Word. That could be through the preaching of His Word, the teaching of His Word. The important thing for us to understand as believers and followers of Jesus Christ is that God is still speaking. Though He may do it differently when dealing with Jonah than He does for us today, the reality is is that we know God's Word is still alive, it's still active, and speaks to the deepest parts of our souls. That's why when the preaching of God's Word takes place right here in this church building, some people get convicted. I know I get convicted as I read it, as I deal with my own family, my own children, God begins to to work through His Word to say, hey, 
remember about you? What about this? What about this? I've had people tell me, uh, someone must have told pastor about my past. Uh, someone must have told pastor what I'm going through. Because he knew exactly what I was, what I was going through in my life. And listen, no, I don't please preach. At least try not to most of the time. It's God's way of talking to us through His Word. And God's way of pointing things out to us in our lives. That He may want you or I to change. But isn't that a wonderful blessing that God still communicates with us? To know that God still talks to us. Convicts us through His Word. Comforts us through His Word. Well, here in our text this morning we see God and God is speaking to Jonah still. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. Just like in chapter 1, God calls Jonah to arise and go. Very similar. Very similar. Where? He says to Nineveh. That hasn't changed. God's direction is still for Jonah to travel to Nineveh. Now listen, I don't know where Tarshish is, and not many people, I think, understand exactly where that's at. Some people may have felt like they, they got it figured out. But most theologians, commentators, they don't know where Tarshish is. But I know where Joppa is. I can see it on the map. It's on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. And since Jonah got into the boat on the Mediterranean Sea, I would have to believe that when Jonah got spit out on the dry land, he got spit out onto the shoreline of the Mediterranean Sea. And now the closest point from the Mediterranean Sea to Nineveh is about 350 miles. The furthest point being somewhere around 3,000 miles. But we know that he is now standing on the shoreline of the Mediterranean Sea and God speaks to him again, giving Jonah similar instructions but yet different. Similar but different. So let us compare exactly what's so different about it. When in chapter 1 verse 2 he says, Arise, go to Nineveh the great city and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And in chapter 3 verse 2 he says, Arise, go to Nineveh the great city. And this he says, Proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. In verse chapter 1 verse 2 God says, Cry against it. And we see something different in chapter 3, verse 2. He says, proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. The first time God speaks, He gives broad instructions to Nineveh. He basically says, go. Cry out against Him. He doesn't specifically tell Him just what to say, at least from the text, I can't tell that. But the second time God speaks, He gives him specific instructions. Do you remember in 1 Samuel 16.3? We just did a message on it several weeks ago. And God is about to select for Himself a king to replace Saul. And God tells Samuel what? He says, you invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. He doesn't leave Samuel confused. But God was specific. And here God is being very specific to Jonah as well. God gave him broad instructions before. But now God wants Jonah to go. And God is going to tell him just what he's to say. 
proclaim it, the proclamation, which I'm going to tell you. Not what you think they need to hear. Not withholding anything you think they may not need to hear. But just what I'm going to tell you is what you were to say to Nineveh. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I feel as if God has given me things to say. A message to talk about. They may be hard to deal with. They may be hard to swallow. They may be very convicting. But the reality is, is God is my boss. And I will speak the truth. The truth that He gives us through His proclamations. That's what's in His Word. We don't need any new truths. We don't need any new ideas. We don't need any new philosophy. We don't need anything extra than what we have in the Word of God. We don't need anyone to change the gospel either. I was going to give an example, but I, I came about it this morning in VM. When I went to the conference, there was one guy who spoke and I disagreed with him. He said, you know, times are changing, guys. You know, when we, when we first started with this whole gospel thing, the fruit was laying on the ground and all we had to do was go and pick it up. And then several years later, the fruit now is, is, is hanging in the tree and, and we have to go up there and, and we actually have to pick it out. But now things are different. Now we have to bring them in and, and, and build these relationships with them and have this friendship. and That will get them to come to Christ. Listen, God doesn't change in His Word. He may change His mind, but His actions and His, His directions for us as believers do not change. And so here God told Jonah just what He was to do. Listen, a proper response to the proclamations of God should, just, should be just what we see in Jonah here in 3.3. 3. Not like we see in 1-3 as God tells him to go and he runs. No, we see in 3, verse 4, 3 and 4, we see Jonah arose. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days walk. And when Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, he cried out and he said, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. In chapter 1, we see a disobedient response to God. But here we see a changed man. Something outwardly different. At least we see a man that is willing to listen and follow God's directions. One that's praying and pleading with God. One that is submitted to the sovereignty of God. So he arose. He went to Nineveh. Now last week we talked about pleading and praying with the Lord. And I wonder, just how many people did that this week? How many people took this message and went home and fleshed it out? Now we're talking about the right response to following God. How many feel that they need to do things differently? Some of you have taken this challenge of, of pleading and praying with God. And God has spoken to your heart. To do something. And you did it and I'm very proud of you. And God will continue to guide you. You simply keep believing in Him. You keep trusting in Him. And so Jonah makes it to Nineveh. We're told to this great city. What it says in the passage. It's called exceedingly great. 
it's told to be a, a three-day walk. Now there's questions to what this really means, or, but, but what, without adding to what God intended for us to mean, we know that it's a large city. It may consist of the city and the suburbs around it. That, listen, I don't know that. But what I do know is that it seems to be a large city, great in size. And Jonah, out of the directions from God, has walked to Nineveh. And he's there. And now he's walked one day into Nineveh. Maybe he took one full day to, to make it to the most populated place in Nineveh. Maybe he went to a well-known place in Nineveh. We don't know why he went for one day's walk in Nineveh, but what we do know is that now he is in Nineveh as instructed by God. And while he's there, it says, he cries out. My thought might be this. You know, maybe he made it to Nineveh. A three-day walk, he makes it to Nineveh. Or 350 miles or 3,000 miles, however long it took him to get there, he makes it to Nineveh. And now he's waiting on God to tell him what to say. Instead of just going out of his own, on his own, in his own way and telling something that God hasn't revealed to him, maybe he's just waiting. He's waiting on God. You know, our timing and God's timing don't seem to work the same. I don't know about you, but my timing doesn't seem to work with God all the time. When things need to happen, and when they don't need to happen, God's in control of those things. And we need to wait on God. And listen, I really feel like God put this on my heart to speak to you this morning. I don't know who it's for, I don't know what it's for, but the Lord wants you to wait on Him. He doesn't want you doing things on your own, and Jonah gives us that example. If indeed Jonah made it to Nineveh, he waited until God gave him the directions that he was to speak. Don't do whatever it is you want to do on your own because God is working on things. Jonah seems to have received this proclamation now in which he has, was to proclaim to Nineveh and now says, Yet forty days in Nineveh will be overthrown. You know, I missed that this week. I missed it completely. Forty days. But as I studied this morning, I want you to understand we don't need to miss that. That's pretty important. Because if you remember, it was Jesus when He was tempted forty days in the wilderness. It was the floods that came forty days. It was Israel because of their disobedience, their failure to trust, that they wandered in the desert for 40 years. 40 days is important. The number 40, if you study the number 40 throughout Scripture, it's amazing. Like Sodom or Gomorrah, 40 days in Nineveh will be overthrown. We see God speaking. He's not looking good for Nineveh. But when God speaks, Jonah responds well this time. But we also see God speaking to Nineveh. God made it very clear that Jonah was to say exactly what God was to tell him. What God had given him. And I believe that what we see Jonah doing, he's speaking what God told him to do. He cried out to Nineveh 
that what God told him to say, and therefore it's as good as God speaking. And so we see God speaking to Nineveh through Jonah. That takes us to verse 5. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God. They called a fast and put on set cloth from the greatest to the least of them. Listen, I think that's great. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's very encouraging to see a place such as Nineveh. Listen, when you study Nineveh and you understand that it's filled with Assyrians, and you study the Assyrians, these dudes were bad people. They believed in God's promise to overthrow them. I thought it was appropriate to say you could read this message this way. Then the people of Nineveh believed what God had said through Jonah. It doesn't mean that they did not repent, that they did not believe in in God, and now they had a relationship with God because the things that they were doing sure made it look like they repented and turned back to God. They called for a fast. They intentionally did not eat for the purpose of drawing closer to God. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. You know, in our day, I, I thought about putting on sackcloth when I came over to preach, number one, I didn't really know what sackcloth was until I studied and then I thought, I don't know where I would get that. But in our day, when you think about someone dressed in sackcloth and sitting on ashes, you go, what a fool. But here, this was nothing unnormal. We see a picture of this very thing in Second Kings. Chapter 6, verse 30 is, the king put on sackcloth as a sign of distress at His people's suffering. They did these things so that God would relent, hopefully. These, uh, the things that they were doing really shows that they believed in the words of God. And their belief is showing in their actions. They didn't simply say, Oh God, we're going to repent. We're going to stop. We're not going to do these things anymore. And they didn't do nothing. You know, Shane had an appropriate introduction this morning to this message. To take the Lord's name in vain, to call yourself a Christian when you really aren't acting like a Christian, doesn't seem to match. In this right here, we're seeing these people's true actions show what they're claiming is really what it is. It's not just talking, it's walking. Listen, our actions really often reveal just how much we believe God. And listen, there's no mistake that our country doesn't believe in God. Because we live like a people with unclean lips in America without repentance. This country is not following God. And many who profess Christ within our churches in America, in the streets of everyday life, live life without repentance. Oh, we can learn from this prophet. We can learn from these people of Nineveh as well. At least I can. Because God is not a God to be mocked. If we as a country don't stop relying on man, trying to decide which person will turn this country around instead of looking in the mirror and starting right here, right there in your seats. Look, don't you see it? 
We are the ones that it starts with. It has to start with us as individuals. Not some fallen president that has no control of the things of this country. It may seem like he has control, but God's in control. And he's given us a purpose. Nineveh started the change within these people of Nineveh. Not the king. It didn't start with the king. It wasn't until the change of the people of Nineveh stepped out and then the king said, oh, let's do something about it. But the problem was, is it didn't start with the king. And yet we want to start with the president. It needs to start right here in our seats. I'm tired of fighting, not fighting for what's right. I just want to beat my head against the wall sometimes. If I could tell every Christian in America, listen, stop spending your time and your money and your efforts on electing some man to run this country and start investing in, the, in things of the kingdom. If I hear one more promise from a man, I think I'm going to get sick. Maybe God will have mercy on us and He will tell us, 40 more days, America, and you will be overthrown. Listen, God will not hold judgment from people that are living lives as Assyrians. We better start heeding the warnings of God in America because we're heading in the wrong direction. We as a nation are running in the opposite direction from God and there will be storms. There may be storms now that we think are storms, but there's real storms coming. God will not let sin go unattended. If, listen, if we don't stop killing the innocent in this, in this nation, if we don't stop approving homosexuality in this nation and behind the pulpit of the churches of America for the sake of being politically correct, if we don't stop producing films that dishonor God and degrade the women of this world, if we don't stop lashing out in anger, killing people, not only in the streets, but in the classrooms of the public school system, if we don't stop trying to pretend that the God we worship is the same God the Muslims worship like Rick Warren, oh boy, he's coming. If we don't stop making promises to people that God never promised to people, like so many popular television preachers, if we don't stop preaching the social gospel, listen, God will judge us. It starts right here. Not out there in Washington, D.C., but in the seat that you're sitting on. It starts with you and with me. Not someone leading this country. One man can't fix the problems. That's only Jesus Christ. And He's finished His work. And we need to rely on Him. Listen, this world may never get better. But we as Christians should never fold. We should stand for the truth. And say, you know what? I'm going to speak up when I see it. That's not godly. Listen, when we stand up together as Christians... Together, for the sake of Christ, for the cause of Christ. When we start loving one another by telling people the truth and start preaching the one true gospel to ourselves first and then the world, then and only then will we see a godly leader in this country. Who you think puts him in? We do. You see, the people of Nineveh are the ones that started this revival wasn't their leader. From the least 
to the greatest, from the richest to the poorest, from the city to the suburbs, from the subdivisions to the trailer parks, from the strongest to the weakest. That's where it started. They all did it. It wasn't one or two who stood up to do it. All the Christians, all the people of Nineveh did it. And then and only then did the king hear about it. We see in verse 6, when the word reached the king in Nineveh, he arose from this throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, sat on ashes. He issued a proclamation and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must cover, must be covered with sackcloth. And let all, let, let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way, from the violence which is in his hands. And who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. The change started in the streets and reached out from there to the king. I wish we as a Christian nation could stand up as individuals so much that it affects the king, that it affects our president. Listen, I don't know much about politics, I don't watch the news. I don't listen to politics. I don't know anything about it. But I do see the commercials. Oh, I promise to do this, and I promise to do this. And then when they get there, everything they promise, they're doing the very opposite. Nothing's new under the sun. The change started in the streets. And then they repented after hearing the word of the Lord. Not only did the king repent, he issued a proclamation. He said, do not let men, beast, herd, flock, do anything, eat them, drink water. But both man and beast must be covered. Let them call on God earnestly, he says. That they might turn from their wicked ways, from the violent which is in his hand. Now his proclamation was not to wild animals but was to those animals under the control of a keeper. Otherwise, you couldn't stop a bird from flying out of a tree and eating. They went as far as to making their animals even wear this sackcloth. They didn't want to be overthrown. Listen, they believed God. Why does it take so much pressure before we listen to God. Why? Why does it take us getting airplanes flown into buildings before we start listening to God? The king told them that they were to each turn from their wicked ways, from the violence that they had. They knew that only God could save them. And that's where some of you are today. 
It'd have to get really bad before some of you would really pay attention to God. And I pray that it takes whatever it takes to get this country back to God. And get the people of this country back to God. You know, we were a Christian nation years ago, but we're far from that now. Because the reality is we've let the enemy settle within our country, within our state, within our county, within our neighborhoods, within our schools, and even within our churches. And God forbid, even within many of our own homes. Things have to get real bad before some people will come back to the Lord. That's what it looked like for Jonah. That's what it looks like for Nineveh. A threat from God had to come before they would turn. Listen, if we don't start praying to God that He changes this country, starting with us as believers, we may end up going through something really bad or some hard time and even maybe a major judgment from God. God spoke to Jonah and he listened. God spoke to Nineveh and they listened. We better start listening because God has spoken through His Word and nothing says He won't overthrow us. Not one thing. Nineveh did these things that God spoke. They responded to God's words and so that God may turn and relent and withdraw His burning anger so that they would not perish. We need to do the same thing in our country. Starting right here in our seats, in your seats, you and I are the ones that must start this revival within this country. We see God speaking to Jonah. We see God speaking to Nineveh. And thirdly, finally, we see God responding to Nineveh's ways. Remember, God said that He wanted Jonah to cry out against Nineveh. And that's just what He did. But something happened after the fact. Once Jonah gave the message that God had given to him, they responded by repenting. And here we see the great mercy and grace of God. Verse 10 reads, And when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared He would bring upon them. And He did not do it. Listen, I can't help but think about America in this situation. You read this book, you read Jeremiah, they all point right here to America. We've been blessed out of our ears, and yet we're running from God. Listen, God is watching how we respond. Every person that listens to this message will now have an opportunity to respond. You can remain the same, or you can ask God to change you and make you into a godly person that is willing to stand up for the truth of the Word of God. Listen, as your pastor, I can't do it alone. 
but with a hundred Christians, a hundred godly, dedicated brothers and sisters in Christ, we can accomplish much more than I can accomplish by myself. Listen, 60 to 70% of the American people claim to be Christians. There are 311,591,917 people in the U.S. of A. 65%, I'll split it in half, of those people claim to be Christians. That's 202,534,746 Christians in the U.S. And we're not a Christian nation. Something's wrong. Our leaders are not Christians. And if they are Christians, they look no different than the 109,057,171 who claim not to be a Christian. If 60 or 70% of Americans are Christians, let us start being a Christian nation because we have the minority. It's not too late. Not too late to start standing up for our faith on the things of God and let us repent as a nation and turn back to God before it's too late. This is something we need to do so that God maybe would relent against us. That's what He did for, for Nineveh. There's a calamity that awaits this nation. I don't know how far it's going to go. I don't know what it's going to be. But I know that Bible teaches God is not a God to be mocked. And let me tell you, the story goes, if God doesn't do something, He's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. As we are becoming a very bad people in America. God sees what's happening. And He can see the change in the people's lives of Nineveh and as well in America. It says He saw all that they did and He did not do it. He's watching. He saw everything they did. He saw everything they were doing. That's why He sent out the proclamation. And He saw what they did do and how they responded. And He did not do it. God changed His mind. Hey, listen, we saw it with Moses. He prayed for His people. God changed His mind. He had mercy on them. And here He had mercy on Nineveh, and I pray that God would have mercy on America. In some ways, He has. Because He sent Jesus Christ, His Son, into the world. Though this, mor- this world may go down in a ball of fire, not us, because God has provided mercy and grace to each one of us. We may never become another Christian nation. But I don't know about you, but I know the end result. And it can go down, but those of us who are in Christ Jesus, with all the powers of hell, they will not conquer us. We, I know, I hope that we as a nation, God will have mercy on us. We're not doing well. Listen, we're willing to fight battles over silly things that have no eternal value. But yet we allow eternal issues to continue that should be worth dying for. Let us 
live lives that bring glory to God. Be representatives of Christ in what we do, say, and think. And if you don't know Christ this morning, you can't do that by yourself. And I pray if you don't know Christ, you will call out to Him today, save even me. Let us pray.